It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Welcome to Everybody in the Pool, the podcast for the climate economy. We dive deep into the climate crisis and come up with solutions. I'm your host, Molly Wood. I hope you all enjoyed your Labor Day barbecues. At least some of you went vegan, right? Yeah, you did. All right, this week on the show, a very cool entrepreneur tackling the double whammy of greenhouse gas emissions and plastic waste by trying to kill off one of the grossest symbols of both, the plastic water bottle. My name is Manuela Zonenstein. I am the CEO and founder of Kadea. We eliminate the need for single-use beverage containers. Kadea is creating what Manuela describes as a bottling plant the size of a vending machine. It dispenses reusable stainless steel bottles full of local tap water that's heavily filtered and cleaned. And when you're done, you return the bottle and it's washed, sanitized, inspected, and refilled all inside this Kadea machine. And that's pretty cool. But like so many entrepreneur and startup stories, there's an even more amazing story about how Kadea found an unexpectedly awesome market and also... Manuela herself is fascinating. I started like I always do, asking how she got here. You know, it's not been one moment. I think we're each kind of primed to look at the world and identify certain sets of challenges. And I was for sure primed to look at the waste problem. I immigrated from Brazil when I was seven. My dad was a communist and um, my mom is a feminist anthropologist and I think that mix of kind of academic, very, very activist upbringing, along with moving in a young age from one country and one culture to another, I was already raised to think about problems at scale and in a systemic fashion. And then when I moved, it was like, terrifying and jarring, but also amazing to realize like, oh, the world I knew there coexists temporally with the world I know here. And they're very different. Mm -hmm. So that means you can have different ways of doing things. Interesting. At the same time. Yeah. And so I think that really shaped my worldview and my desire and belief that where we are today isn't where we have to what we have to be doing tomorrow. And then, yeah, I just, I, I hated waste. I was, I like to say what made me weird as a kid is what made me, makes me cool as an adult. So like my second grade science fair project was a bus that ran on garbage. And I used to stay after class and separate the garbage because I hated all the paper that was going in there that could be recycled. And I moved to China um, after college. I started out as a climate correspondent with Newsweek and had a front row seat to not only the world's greatest clean tech revolution, but also the greatest waste generating revolution mm -hmm. and saw that country from 2007 to 2015 go from reusable beverage containers to single use containers. Anything that happens in China, you think 1.5 billion people are literally doing this exact same thing right now. Yeah. And it's 
easy math to figure out that that is not sustainable, whether in China or at a global scale. So it was when I came back to the U.S. that I started really thinking, okay, look, we designed the system of single use. We can design a different way to do it. And I started, I was walking to work every day in New York and walking by city bike systems and thought, what would it take to do that for bottles? And literally just started saying that to people. Yeah. And that's where it began. Let's talk some nuts and bolts here. So what, tell us about the packaging industry and like how a bottling plant works now. I mean, I think people have this awareness of single use plastics, but like walk us through what you learned about the, I don't know, the true scale and the true horror as you were developing this company. Yeah, so I'll give, I guess, some numbers to start with. Part of it was I I was working at a software company. We had all the bells and whistles of single-use beverages as well as all the fancy beverage dispensers. So I don't mean to name check anyone, but we had Bevy, we had Flow Water, we had kombucha dispensers and... um, Cold brew on tap. And Mm -hmm. so I wasn't doing anything with sustainability in that job. And I started the sustainability club to scratch my green itch and worked with the kitchen staff to launch a reusable water bottle program for the company where I was working. And we ran that for three years and we reduced single use consumption by about 30%. So hurrah, that sounds amazing. We, you know, 30% reduction, better than our recycling rates in the United States. Yeah. And then I learned about the size of the market. So uh, for single use and how quickly it's growing. So in 2021, single use plastic water bottles in the US commanded $40 billion in revenue, whereas reusable water bottles commanded 2 billion. Mm. And by 2030, it's gonna be worse where single use plastic water bottles will be $67 billion market and reusables will be 2.6 billion. So it's gonna go from a 20 times larger plastic market to 25 times larger. And by the way, the US is the world's largest market for reusable water bottles. Hmm. No one in Africa, Asia, Latin America, or Europe for that matter is carrying a Yeti around with them all day to refill at the tap. And so it was a really daunting moment for me as an environmentalist and as a reusable water bottle nerd who's been carrying around her water bottle for years to say, oh my God, this isn't going to scale. Yeah. I didn't, I totally didn't know. Like I can, I can sit here and cross my fingers and wish and hope that everyone will change their behavior and see the light. But I've been in the environmental space since 2007 and people are not seeing the light Yeah, and the data is being put in front of them. So that was my kind of terrifying aha moment that, okay, asking people to just carry around reusable bottles is not going to be the solve. Okay. So talk about the solution then. So then you were like, all right, this doesn't, getting everybody a reusable water bottle still has a host of problems. What's the, the bike share version of what you've created? Yeah. So Cadeus sort of starts with this conception, just like bike sharing, But what's unique about beverages is we have a ready water source available in most of the planet. Mm -hmm. And so Kadea leverages that existing infrastructure and our station. It's it looks like a vending machine. It connects to the water main. We take in local tap water. We filter that water. And then 
we have inside of our station 70 bottles that are sitting in a humidity and temperature controlled storage box. And you go up to the station and you vend a bottle of your choice with whatever product you want. And we fill it there so it's kind of like a soda fountain in that mm -hmm. regard. But you don't have to bring a container and there's not a single use container that you grab. It's a reusable stainless steel bottle. We fill it with your beverage, cap it, and you grab it and go on your way. Single use wins in large part, not exclusively, but in large part because of the convenience factor. It's a grab and go product mm -hmm. that you can pick up, you can throw it in your bag, you can go on your way, you can carry it, and then when you're done, you can get rid of it so you don't need the container any longer than you're consuming the product. So mm -hmm. for me, that was critical is we have to dispense a packaged good for the individual to go. And then when you're done, you would return that bottle, right? Um, and then we inspect the bottle, make sure there's not any major debris like bubble gum, a cigarette butt, plastic wrappers. If it passes that, goes into a dirty bottle queue, and then it goes through a very intensive wash and sanitize process, which has exceeded all regulatory and commercial standards. We think we have the best bottle washing system in the world. We beat the best dishwashers that are available. And then it goes through a dry system and then uh, goes through a final inspection where we use two cameras to identify if there's any final problems with the bottle, a blonde hair, a hairline fracture, a chip on the lip, a dent on the side. We can identify all of that. Yeah. If it doesn't meet our standards, it gets put into a reject bin that we manage on our own and we'll recycle those bottles. If it passes, then it goes back into that container that I mentioned earlier with 70 bottles that's humidity and temperature controlled waiting to be dispensed again. And this solves more than just the consumer end product, right? And I feel like this is a or consumer end consumption issue because on the, you know, when we think about getting a bottle or a soda from a vending machine, there's the part where I get a single use container. But on the back end, there's all of this shipping <laughs> of all of that stuff from location to location to location. Talk about the, the impact that that takes out of the system. So in my research, I calculated that two-thirds of the greenhouse gas footprint of a single-use product is in the production of the material to turn into the container. And then once packaged, the distribution of that product to get it into your hands. Two-thirds. Wow. And what's fascinating is our first Kadea prototype, our MVP, we did an impact assessment, a cradle-to-grave life cycle assessment, and it was determined that we had actually reduced the carbon footprint against single-use 67%. Wow. And so it shows that just on our very first prototype, which was not optimized, it was super clunky, we had immediately removed that carbon footprint, exactly. And so as a side note, I get concerned when I hear all about new material innovations for packaging, because while that can eliminate the, the plastic eyesore that we're all becoming aware of, mm -hmm. it doesn't eliminate that two-thirds critical carbon footprint of 
producing the material over and over and shipping it right. over and over. Right. I mean, just picture to yourself, if you would, friends, container flats full of bottles and cans. And imagine those not having to cross an ocean or the country. And that's what we're talking about here. Yeah. So, I mean, plastic, I'm not going to bore your your listeners, but it starts with petroleum. It goes through a refinery. Mm-hmm. It then gets, you know, turned into a solid. Then it gets pelletized. Then it gets distributed to a bottler, a bottling plant. Then it gets blown into a bottle. Then it gets transported to be filled. And then that gets transported through three to five nodes, right? Fulfillment center, distribution center, retailer to then end up in your grocery cart Mm -hmm. or in your hand at a 7-Eleven. Right. And then in your hand for like 20 minutes. I mean, like, you know, when you put that story behind the 20 minutes that you spend drinking your Dr. Pib, like, not good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay. So, and right now, Kadea dispenses water. Yep. And is this a, you know, we've all kind of seen those like Coca-Cola machines that do all the different kinds of Coke or whatever. The freestyle. Yes, thank you. The freestyle. Mm -hmm. Is this a solution that eventually becomes that? So we started with water, uh, just flat filtered municipal water. We filter out 99.999% of microplastics. Mm -hmm. And we feel confident that we can filter out about eight of the PFAS and PFOAs um, that have been identified, which are the forever chemicals, which the EPA about two months ago recommended that we start monitoring in our water systems. It's been found that about 50% of Americans are consuming water with PFAS and PFOS. Um, so you can look up forever chemicals. I'm not going to bore you with that. But you'll be mad. Just spoiler alert. Yeah, they're really bad. They yeah. they are forever chemicals. Yep. Uh, they don't go away. We don't know how to dispose of them yet. Um And then our next prototype, which we've already tested in the lab, adds carbonation and flavoring. And so we're working through exactly which flavors we want to be carrying. But yeah, we could basically replicate the variety of uh, Coke Freestyle. And what we do that the Coke Freestyle, I don't mean to name check them. And, uh, you know, I I love Coca-Cola and I'm a huge fan of what they've done. And um, I'm talking to them regularly. Um, But what they didn't figure out is getting a beverage to someone's mouth requires a container. And Kadea has taken care of the container, Mm -hmm. which nobody else has. And so I'll, I'll like just say, I think what makes Kadea unique is we said the bottle, the package is actually an asset, not a temporary vehicle for a product. And what we're doing is we're divorcing the packaging from what is the core product. And we're saying to beverage companies, hey, you can still sell your product. Mm -hmm. Sell it through the Kadea network. So we like to call ourselves the liquid railroad and think that all beverage commerce will travel, travel on our tracks in the future. Okay, time for a super quick break. And also just sit and appreciate for a moment the scale of this ambition. Like, why not build the liquid railroad? This is why I do this show, friends, because people are working on stuff and they aren't thinking small. Be right back. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. 
But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Welcome back to Everybody in the Pool. I'm talking with Manuela Zonenstein, the founder and CEO of Kadea. Next up, she's telling me the story of how COVID led her fledgling company to a surprising new market. Talk to me about where you are deploying, because I think the go-to-market for Kadea is what is particularly interesting and the industries that you've targeted as your kind of beachhead. Thank you. Yeah, we lucked into this. This is pure serendipity. We are focused on workplaces, but not the regular workplaces I think your listeners imagine. We're focused on the trades. We're, We're focused on environments where the population needs hydration to physically perform, Mm -hmm. let alone stay healthy and safe. And so our first and now repeat customer is a major general contractor in the construction space. Our second now repeat customer is the Air Force, and we're getting ready to deploy on two Air Force bases that I'm so excited about. And we we were overwhelmed with demand, but we chose these two locations to start with. Um, We deployed about a month ago at a pharmaceutical plant where they're producing medicines. And then about a month later from today, we'll be deploying in a manufacturing plant just west of O'Hare Airport. We're here in Chicago. And then we're talking to an airline to deploy with their ground maintenance crew at the airport. And then we're talking to a major fulfillment center. So these are all environments where the workers need hydration to do their jobs. Mm-hmm. Companies recognize that. And by the way, there's major OSHA oversight with specific language about how much water these individuals should be consuming. And that language is becoming more and more strict with climate change. Mm-hmm. Whereas I thought we would be launching you know, in offices and university campuses and then COVID hit and I had to step back. Yeah. But really for a year and a half, I kept hearing, yeah, this is interesting, but I have so many other options. Why would I use you? Whereas in these other environments, they're like, we only have one other option and it's not working. So you're saying you lucked into it because of COVID? Like you were sort of forced to look at other potential customers. Yeah. What What was the moment? Like, can you tell me about a customer moment where you were just like, oh, this is where to go? Because I feel like that's such a common startup thing, right? The business you build is not necessarily the business that (laughs) comes to you. Absolutely. Yeah. So I would say, first of all, it was COVID and I had to quickly realize how critical the cleanliness of the bottles was going to be to survive. So invested a lot in that. And then yeah, it was just like, people aren't going to these environments. They're not going to corporate campuses. They're not going to academic campuses. But I was hunting. I was just hunting for a long time. And I just beating my head against the wall. And I was terrified. I was a, you know, a solution looking for a problem. And I moved to Chicago two summers ago. And my husband put me in a sailing class as a gift for an anniversary, our anniversary. Aww. And I was like, okay, I'm going. I went by myself. And I ended up in a boat with another woman who I really got along with. And it turned out that she works for this major construction general contractor. And she was like, oh, we got to get you in our offices. I love this. 
And I was like, yeah, offices, great, let's go check it out. And we visited, we talked to her facility and office manager and the person who runs that office. And everybody was like, yeah, that's nice. Uh-huh. <laughs> Nothing uh-huh. else. And so she came back to me and was like, Manuel, I cannot get you into our office. But, you know, if you'd be willing to come to our construction site, I could get you in tomorrow. And I was like, excuse me? I have never heard anyone else say that to me. And then I had gotten into the Techstars Farm to Fork program in Minneapolis. And so I went, I basically took a hiatus from trying to find customers and was like, I'm going to take these 13 weeks and go back to the drawing board and figure out, is this industrial kind of use case? Is this, is there something there? And did about 130 interviews in those um, 13 weeks and just kept hearing like, yeah, this is a problem. This is a pain. And so I came out of that confident enough to pursue it. So demo day was October 6th and October 28th. So literally three weeks later, I had a contract signed and I was installing our Alpha 2.0 prototype into this construction site. That's awesome. And what what was even more exciting is before I even plugged in the unit, the project executive, his name is Aaron, he has to buy the station. And I was like, you want to buy this? It's going to break. Like, you don't want to buy this. Yeah. He's like, no, I want to buy that unit. So we, we converted him to just a, a recurring pricing model. But I said, Aaron, why do you want to buy this? And he said, what am I going to do when Kadea leaves? Go back to buying and distributing single-use plastic water bottles. And what was so interesting is when I was kind of re, reliving that moment, what stuck out to me is that for him, the emphasis was not on single-use plastic, which is what I had always thought would be the problem. Mm-hmm. His emphasis was on buying and distributing. And for me, that was the, the one of the biggest insights is in these industrial environments, we're solving a logistical headache first and foremost, because these are places that are either transporting pallets of bottles of water into these work sites dozens of times a day. Yeah. And then having to cut them open and people have to drop what they're doing and walk over to go and grab a couple of bottles and chug them and then throw the plastic bottles and someone has to come and sweep it up and then they've got to get a waste hauler to collect all the trash. So that was like the first and foremost, the biggest pain. And then the second one was because we are, and we can talk about the digitization, because we can attribute to the individual, then they started getting really excited about the fact that we could help workers monitor their hydration and understand dynamically when they should drink more water. So kind of like step tracking for water. And it's kind of that one-two punch of like a logistical solution that also ensures worker health and safety. Mm -hmm. So it becomes a compliance solution, which is huge for companies. Okay. So talk about the data. Clearly you had built it in. So you knew it was going to be a thing that maybe you thought would be kind of like a quantified self perk. So in terms of digitization, when I was in business school and I was telling everyone, I'm going to build city bike for bottles. I'm going to build city bike for bottles. And everyone was telling me I was crazy. And I said, well, why? Why is that crazy? And the first thing people said was, how are you going to get people to return the bottle? 
I was like, huh, that's a good question. Let's go figure that one out. Hmm. And so I did a bunch of experiments around campus. And uh, after a series of trials, I found when I sharpied a number on a bottle. Yep. And then I asked people, the students, to write their email address next to their bottle number. 99% of the time, I got the bottle back. Yep. And we're now in our fifth deployment, and we're still getting 99% of our bottles back with no penalty or deposit. There's no deposit. You're not putting down a couple bucks. You're not putting your credit card down. It's it's purely a trust system. Yeah. But there's like a psychology behind it. And so in these work environments, what we're switching to instead of you writing your email address is scanning people's work badges, and that vends a bottle. Mm-hmm. We have a, a touch screen so they can make their order. If they want to upgrade, then they, yes, they do have to either scan a, a credit card or, you know, Apple Pay. Um, eventually, we'll integrate on the back end with, like, the corporate debit system. A lot of these environments let you put cash on your, your work badge. And then a bottle gets fended down, and every bottle has a laser-etched QR code on the bottom. So every bottle has a unique identity. And so we're lab- able to link at that point, call it user ABC, with bottle one, two, three, four, say 10 a.m. at station A. And then after they've consumed their product, and they return the bottle to any station. We know same user returned that same bottle at, let's say, 11 a.m. at station X. Mm-hmm. And so we do believe that tr- the connection of the individual ID to the bottle ID is really critical to continuing to have those high return rates. Yeah, It also allows us then to attribute to the individual their consumption and say, okay, user ABC has just consumed, you know, a lemon-lime Gatorade and a watermelon Waterloo. Um, So we know that that's what they're consuming. Right. And we know that on a live basis. And so that's really fun because we can report to the individual through a web app what their consumption patterns are. We're also integrated on the back end with Fitbit. We're starting to add on other integrations to let people track their health wherever they already do that. That's one bucket of the digital product, and that's free for the individual and always will be. The data follows them wherever they go. And then the other bucket is for the corporate, and they are getting access to the OSHA reporting data. So if an OSHA inspector shows up, they can say, hey, we've got a record which shows when people took water breaks and how much water they were consuming, and we were making sure that they were drinking the right amount. And then also it helps... The corporate to talk about how much they care about their workforce and they can have all these nice perks of we're giving you great quality water and great quality products so that helps them with recruiting and retention and then we have of course ESG and waste footprint data that they can report out to their you know shareholders or their clients whoever is focused on climate and ESG questions these days. Okay, last question, I promise. Where did the name come from? Yes, so Cadeia in Portuguese means chain, like supply chain. Uh And we say we are reimagining supply chains and starting a chain reaction for good. If you speak to a Brazilian, uh, we did change the spelling, by the way. Uh, In Portuguese, it's C-A-D-E-I-A. We changed it, obviously, to K-A-D-E-Y-A, so it's phonetic. The URL was available for 1600 bucks. Trademarks were available. But if you speak to a Brazilian, Cadeia also means prison. Oh. <laughs> um, that was Amazing. not the inspiration. Accidental. You know? Yep. Uh-huh. So 
Um, if you're talking to your Brazilian friends or if you're listening out there, I also know Cadeia has another meaning. Um, but we're focusing on the chain meaning yeah. here. We're just going with break free from. Break free exactly. from. Exactly. Liberate yeah, yourself. Go. Liberate yourself. Where can people learn more? Cadeia.com. K-A-D-E-Y-A. And we are on Instagram and LinkedIn. And you can also just follow me, connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm Manuela Zonensign, the CEO and founder of Cadea. Pretty, pretty unique um, names there. And yeah. um, I'll just add, you know, we're really focused on Midwest-based industrial companies and opportunities. So if you're looking for a, a win-win-win solution that makes sure your workers are healthy and safe, and saves you a ton of logistical headache and time and money and gives you a great sustainability story, please reach out. Manuela, thank you so much. This is amazing. Thank you. This is so much fun. That's it for this episode of Everybody in the Pool. Thank you so much for listening. I love talking to climate startup founders with big ambitions. And I love these stories about how the business you think you're building might turn into something totally different because of a weird twist of fate. And most of all, like I said before, I continue to love the fact that people are working on it. Don't get discouraged. The work is happening. The drops are becoming a flood. Together, we can get this done. That's it for this week. Please like and subscribe and rate this podcast. It really helps me out. If you have thoughts and suggestions and ideas for who else should be on the show, please send me an email in at everybodyinthepool.com. And if you want to become a subscriber and get an ad-free version of the show, hit the link in the description in your podcast app of choice. Thank you so much to those of you who already have. See you next week.